uh, awesome. So we'll get to the next question, uh, which is from Brett McGee. And he has asked, in order for me to make the best gains possible, is there anything in particular that I should be looking at in terms of my blood work? I know there are ranges that are considered healthy for every blood marker there is, but is there anything in particular I should be focusing on to grow as much muscle as possible? I'm natural if that matters at all. It does. Being that you're natural, blood work's not very important as long as you're healthy. So if you get blood work done once a year, which is just a good idea, you just get a general metabolic panel and just all the usual health stuff. And if your doctor says you're healthy, your ability to gain muscle is about as high as it's ever going to be. There are a couple other things you could look at, very minor importance. One of them could be your testosterone level. Um, but that's one that's been shown pretty clearly. Like if it's not outside of the range and below average, it's really not a concern. I think if you're roughly between like 300 plus, I believe nanograms per deciliter, and they do it different countries, they do different units. But if you're within the normal range, uh, sweet, and you don't have to worry about anything because there's a lot of complexities as to how much of it is free testosterone, what your receptor density is, receptor sensitivity, and so on and so forth. Um, but if you're considerably, if you're clearly below the range, uh, the reference range, then that can be an impediment that is quite serious. And then something like testosterone replacement therapy could be this huge, massive change. I've spoken to a few people recently that just randomly reached out to me. And I don't fucking dick about TRT. But they reached out to me and they're like, let me tell you a story about my TRT experience. And I had always struggled with just being like, like I just thought I had shitty genetics. And then I finally got my blood work and they were like, man, you have low testosterone. You easily qualify for TRT. But like I started it. And it was this miraculous thing that changed everything. And then you're completely transparent in the alternate universe in which I use special sports supplements. When I started special sports supplements, I didn't immediately see a miraculous change at all. I was like, this is it? Fuck, this sucks. And only when I took compounds that are slightly higher dosages or still, you know, very low by pro standards or whatever, but, mm. but you know, and the right combinations and really just dieted my ass off and, and stuff. And then I started to see like, okay, cumulatively profound benefits. But for me, switching to essentially TRT, high-end TRT, we'll call it, was like, right? Which probably means I had pretty fucking decent testosterone to begin with. And I had no idea what my natural blood work was. Uh, but for some people, it is night and day. Um, but outside of just two things, being generally healthy and having reference normal ranges of testosterone, as a natural, you don't really have to look at your blood work much at all. Uh, as someone who is enhanced, you got to look that shit through, hire somebody like Roderick, uh, look through that shit with a fine tooth comb and there's all kinds of goodies to look for. And really it's all just trepidation, bullshit. Uh, and more, more like how many landmines do you find? <laughs> um, like you'll see like really coded messages. Sometimes they're pretty clear about it. Pros are like, yeah, going to kick off the season here soon. If I, uh, my blood work comes back good. We're going to kick things into high gear. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? And it's like, well, like, if there's not holes in my nuclear reactor and this shit's not spilling out, we'll start the fucking reaction. You know, like, but you know, the shit they've done in the last six months could be like, mm, your kidneys are not interested in any more pushing. And if you do it, you're going to be real shit real quick. So that just doesn't apply to naturals, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which is great, which is a great reason to be natural and fucking stay natural for the love of God. But, but that's basically it, just good general health. And your doctor should be able to tell you, looking at your blood work, like, doc, does that look okay? All he has to do is be like, yep. And the thing is, these things auto-flag. So if you're like, have all the, everything is normal reference range, it doesn't even, it just automatically spreadsheet just says you're fine. Uh, and that's it. I think I, 
I can't remember what I was even going to say. I had something in my head and it's completely gone. Uh, TRT. I will say my cl- a client of mine recently went on TRT, got his bloods done and he, we'd always, work, he like works his ass off and we'd seen like okay results, but mm-hmm. not to what you'd expect. He got his blood work done, found he had really low and he's gone on TRT and he's like, he's feeling his like best ever and he kind of like, his results obviously massively improved as well. So yeah, I think if, if people are concerned, like it's definitely worth getting that tested. And of course, like my own experience, like I think it's now almost coming to eight years since I kind of had my, well, it's over 10 years since my accident, but then like nearly eight years since I had that uh, TRT experience. And like, obviously it got rid of, I'd gone to Camastia. I couldn't grow like body hair, obviously zero libido, kind of feeling depressed. And in a matter of kind of weeks of using, which was just a gel I rubbed on my chest, it dramatically changed my life. And I eventually yep. recovered off TRT, which I, again, yep. I don't, people ask me if that's possible. And I, I don't know if it's possible for other people, but mine was very unique. And I think <laughs> I, I recovered from the accident, which I think was part of the reason I came off. But yeah, I, I don't know how much it is, but it's good to hear that it is possible for other people to kind of come off it eventually and recover it. Sure. Uh, yours was a very, I want to say special case. It was a very unique case and it's not for everyone. Some people just have really no low natural production. And then for them, there is no such thing as recovery. There's just either TRT or you stay low natural. Um, but just, uh, there's the temptation I think people have, uh, that if they're on the lower end of the natural range to be like, oh, should I do TRT? It's like, I'm at 400 and they say anything below 200 sucks. And, some guys are at 700 or 800. They've done the data, and James Krieger has looked at this. Like the people who are at 700 or 800 compared to 400, there's so many more factors at play, like receptor density and sensitivity and so on and so forth, but you can barely tell them apart. Only when you get below 200 or whatever, then you can clearly start to tell, okay, these people really would benefit from, from a bit more. Um, so it's... Uh, I think a lot of people have a paranoia that they, you know, if their test isn't a thousand naturally, they're like, I need TRT. And it's like, you don't, I promise. And, and here's the thing about TRT. That is like, you go to your doctor and he gives you a vial and a needle and teaches you how to use it. You inject things into your body and they swell up and they give you flu-like symptoms. It's all like bullshit. And it's un- fucking annoying. And you're, you have to take all these other drugs to make sure your nuts don't shrink and you can, you can have children in the future. It's not something you want to do. Uh, and the gel sucks. You can't touch her like significant other because if she gets the shit on it, she gets fucking testosterone in her blood. Um, it's you can't touch your children. Like it's, it's people are like uh, there's this idea that you treat special sports supplements and TRT just like oh creatine. You just go buy it at GNC. Like it's complicated. It's got all kinds of crazy shit associated with it. If you really need it, it's worth it. If you don't then stop kidding yourself. You don't want TRT. You want to be enhanced. And then you can go down that road if you want all the complexities and downsides. But I think some people are like, think it's this magic miracle cure. If there's a sickness, yeah. If there's not, like, you know, if you have a fucking gaping wound in your face and the bacteria is eating you alive, antibiotics will save your life. If there's nothing wrong with you, you can take antibiotics. They don't do a fucking thing for you. They just make you sick to your stomach. It's like, why are you doing them? I think that's really well said. And as a case in point, I sustain like low average levels and I've, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, and like, fine, my ass, motherfucker, <laughs> 20 inch arms out here. How big are your arms, Steve? He you measured them in inches. 
Uh, they're, they're definitely won't be measures, <laughs> they won't be 20 inches. I don't know how big they are. They're at least 17, bro. They might be like 17, somewhere around there. I can't... Dave McConey, uh, shout out to Dave McConey. Uh, he asks me now and then, and uh, I I go and measure it for him, and then I can't remember what the measurement is because I just That's so funny. <laughs> you just don't care. Uh, I like that every now and again. He's like Steve. This year, every three months, <laughs> tell me how big your arms are. Yeah, have they grown anymore? So yeah, I need them to be freakishly huge, just because I don't know. Then you have a standout body part, and that'll look pretty cool on stage. If you're gonna have a standout body, dude, my standout body part is like my glutes. Like that sucks. Like whatever, like bah, boring, like arms. That's the one you want. I'd say your erectors are pretty. Again, I mean, erectors. That's totally. You don't true. get to show those off that much. I guess they kind of poke through a t-shirt a little bit, which is nice. They, they yeah, when they're my size, they poke through all kinds of shit. Erection <laughs> pokes through all kinds of stuff. I, I made the joke, so the insults don't have to. Uh, they'll don't don't worry. They'll make it in the YouTube comments anyway. Uh, <laughs> I noticed that no amount of pre-joking. <laughs> uh, derails the people with no sense of humor um but uh no like uh, when they get to my size or whatever they, they poke out of sweatshirts and stuff and people are, i thought you were had a backpack on what the fuck is wrong with your back like, i don't know it's all kinds of weird shapes there yeah see that's even worse steve you have like this like this beach party muscle group <laughs> which like anytime people are like you can just like do this to a little kid and they're like oh my god what am i supposed to do turn around and flex my erections like what the fuck is wrong with that guy to be fair mike i think you just look absurdly huge to most people so i think you're just true your entire body is the party compounding the problem yeah my head my head's a bad start to begin with <laughs> true um so anyway let's get to the next question uh, which is from andrew white and he has asked i recently did an experiment where i split my current five a day legs push pull upper lower split into a higher frequency approach five day full body my hypothesis was that my numbers per set would be much better on the high frequency approach due to the extra rest. And that was confirmed as expected. To be clear, I mean that I could do more weight and reps for just about everything in the context of the full body split instead of the, the previous split. My question is, how could this not be better for gains? Same moves, volume equated in terms of sets, higher loads, more reps, better recovery, better pumps. Am I missing something? not i think you're probably onto a better better results the only thing is many people who switch to that approach do not get those same results full body training especially for very 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 large very strong people uh, andrew i'm sorry i don't know if you're very large or very strong it's all relative anyway maybe you should have baller endurance but for folks like steve for example like if steve does full body training he does squats, then he does bent rows, and then he does fuck all, because it doesn't matter what he does after, it's going to be fucking total shit. So it's just not going to work for him, and he's not going to get those immediate acute results. But if you're acute indicators, especially things like pump, uh, disruption, performance, if they're elevated and consistently up, uh, yeah, you're probably just going to have better results, and you have found a frequency that is better. Uh, I just don't want folks to think, okay, let's, that's it, full body it is try it like for me full body would be an unmit i've tried it before a ton it's an unmitigated disaster the first exercise is sweet the second is okay and the third one's dog shit and the fourth one i shouldn't even be in the gym um and some muscle groups i can't train very often like, i'm not training my hamstrings every day i'm not training my quads every day it's just not happening because anything i would call training does so much disruption to connective tissues that it requires several days to heal so uh those indicators are excellent and if they're on the money i would at the very least, be uh, 
of the opinion that growth is highly likely to continue to occur for you. Uh, and on top of that, uh, continue on this higher frequency path to see if that really happens. And I think it will. Mm, good answer. Uh, I like, it was similar to the way I was looking at it. I kind of thought some of those wouldn't be in place, but it's almost like when someone says, I'm doing this, whatever it might be, but I'm getting this outcome and you're like, oh, that's a tick that everything's going right. It's like, it doesn't matter what this is. If these are all going right, I can't really argue against you. Yeah. Kind of similar well, with S SFR or something. Yes, yes. I was going to bring up that exact same thing. Um, people will say, hey, I noticed the way you do Vevros, but when I do them like that, I don't feel shit. When I do them this other way, I feel fucking amazing. And they check the SFR checklist box, the tension, burn, pump, disruption, low joint connective tissue fatigue. And they're like, am I doing it wrong? And I'm like, Listen, if you're checking all these boxes, anyone who tells you you're doing wrong is fucking retarded. They're fucking wrong. They have no idea what they're doing. Um, I've never in a million years tell someone that like the way they're doing exercise is completely fucking wrong if they're checking all these boxes. Then that's fucking right. Now, they could be better, but we would have to try it and see. And if they tried the better way, quote unquote, for a few weeks and it was just worse, just stop fucking doing it. The thing is like folks like Jared and Charlie and I and the full Rama Apparel uh, Club that oh it on my even. man sweet <laughs> i have a tank top on but i'm too cold right now because i'm out of body fat and metabolism um but uh uh the thing we say is those indicators like tension burn pump disruption people will say like when they do their partials they're like i get a really great workout like this we say charitably there's nuance here it's mostly a joke not entirely is we don't believe you <laughs> like uh, like you, the way you hack squat is halfway down and you say it works best for you. Why don't you come train with us and try real hack squats with a fucking slow eccentric and a full pause, my rep sets a 20, and you're going to be like, I can't use my legs. Something happened to my quads that I've never felt before and I think I'm dying. And they're like, uh-huh. So what do you think about the way you were doing it before? And they're like, well, clearly I was doing some shit wrong. So sometimes uh, when people say like, well, why do you do your exercises this way? The only thing I say is, it works on the technical level. On, on paper, it works. Try it for a few weeks. It, it, it'll probably just get you all that good stuff. Now, if it doesn't get you the good stuff, if another way of doing it gets you all that good stuff, tension, pump, so on and so forth, do it. And I'll never in a million years, like Jared and I, we're training partners. We have some different techniques on some stuff. Like his squats differently than me. Never in a million years would I be like, dude, you idiot. Get your stance closer together. He's built differently. And for him, a better SFR or for wide sand squatting than close. For me, it's for better for close than wide. There's no debate. So I think a lot of that stuff really does come down to quote unquote personal preference, but it has to be personal preference on the objective metrics or at least subjective tracked metrics that make sense. Yeah. I know uh, you and James always talk about the leg extensions and how James is just mm -hmm. like, they're huge for him, but for you, it's mm -hmm. like, meh. meh. So, At best, meh. And yeah. possibly like my knees feel like shit. <laughs> uh something actually just just flagged up i've been thinking about it lately to ask you mike and have you are you good for time are you okay mm -hmm. yeah, oh, cool. yeah. uh, i'm so, awake unfortunately. <laughs> you're still wide awake <laughs> um you mentioned uh my rep on like leg press and i guess people traditionally use my reps on like, isolation movements and things like this and i just wondered um if you could explain how you have been doing kind of leg movements a little bit differently because so i don't think you used to describe it at least as my reps maybe it's just you've kind of this is what you were always doing but now it's like oh i realize this is like my reps yeah i've been doing it a long time i just 
started to be more technical about my descriptions because people would ask things about like, I noticed you pause for a couple seconds and then you do more reps. How, what RIR is that? And I'm like, ah, okay, let me tell you what this is. This is a my rep or whatever rest pause set. Um, so on exercises, which are conducive to that, um, which are ones in which the systemic and axial fatigue isn't um, exponentially escalating. Like you, you don't walk out of squat and like rest with it for three seconds because it just drains the fuck out of you and you get nothing out of that. But in some hack squat setups, not all, many leg press setups, you can lock out and actually get like a pretty decent rest and get a couple more reps in. What that allows you to do is within one working set, approach failure two, three or four times. Um, and without, and, and the local muscle is limiting the entire time. And that lets you get in super, super high quality work. It lets you have to set up fewer times. Like I want to set up into a hack squat on rack and go a few times versus like three times would be great. Six times sucks. Um, it's the same amount of work and the same amount of muscular stimulus and in arguably some ways better. Uh, and it's great time saver, uh, and it works super well. So, um, what I will say is the big thing to look out for is make sure the limiting factor at the end of each set is local muscular ability to contract, uh, not systemic fatigue and not cardiorespiratory fatigue. Cause like if you do sets of 20 in a leg press, like 10 and then five and then, you know, three and then two, that last set of three and then two, the only reason you're not getting a set of six and then a set of five on it is because you're like, <gasps> And you just can't get enough air in, especially mm -hmm. training with masks now. Like that's a thing. So Jared and I were doing like my reps of like four mini sets, three or four. We stopped and now we do like two mini sets or three mini sets. So like I'll do a set of 12, rest for a couple seconds, and then another three or four, which is 15 or 16 total reps. And that's it in Iraq. Does that mean I do more total sets? Yeah, sure. But that means each set is limited exclusively by my muscle's ability to contract. And thus I'm getting true close to uh, zero RIR or, you know, whatever, close to failure. Uh, and not because we were doing like more uh, mini sets. And then the tail end of the mini sets end up just being cardio. And then you're like, why the fuck am I doing this? So all your fast reach motor units don't even turn on anymore. They're fatigued as fuck. And the reason you're racking is because you can't breathe. And that's just junk volume. So. And just to, um, kind of really be clear on the kind of my rep sets uh, each one taken to the same RER for the kind of weekly target RER or like you're looking to beat by rep or a bit of load are they still taken to like the same failure point you start out taking every single mini set to roughly three RER and then you do the match rep system after that and what you also want is because it's very easy to trick yourself there. Uh, you probably want other leg exercises in the week to be straight sets to gauge uh, if you're at MRV or not. Because it's tough to gauge MRV when you can just do more Meyer upsets. But also we like to track how many Meyer upsets we're doing. So we, we say, okay, leg press today was 500 pounds times 16 reps. But in parentheses, we'll put, you know, 12 comma four. Like that's how it looked. So the next week we'll do 12 comma five, right? We're not going to do, you know, 10 comma three comma whatever. Cause it's like, Ooh, yeah, this 12 last week, it's 10 this week. Like that's an underperformance. Sometimes my reps, it's, you had a little too anal trying to get the exact same mini sets every time. So you just get the same total reps as last week or add a rep or add some weight. 
um, and you don't worry about the how you're splitting it up. You're just getting close to failure every time, you know, three, two, one, or IR, whatever. And then you let an exercise like squats later after that or later in the week uh, really determine, okay, what is my actual quad performance? Because if my reps feel like someone's like, you know, is your performance capped out on my rep hack squats? I don't know. I'm not sure. But you look at your free barbell squats and they're still going up, you're fine. Your quads are an MRV. But if your free barbell squats are starting to shit the bed, then you look at your my reps hack squats, you're like, yeah, I actually have been doing more mini my rep sets to get the same number. And they're way closer to failure than they were. I'm definitely technically underperforming. Uh, so mm. you got to keep yourself honest with non my reps. I wouldn't do a program uh, often that had only my reps for all the muscle groups all the days because then it really, really is, does get hard to track objective performance because you can sort of always just add another my rep set and go, like, oh, I did 20 again this time. Yeah, but it took you eight mini sets instead mm. of five. I think you're getting weaker. <laughs> so there's, is this there's that. just to um, kind of pull it back as to what you were doing before? I think you'd spoken about breathers before. Is this kind of where you'd kind of say standardize your breathers if you're taking them? Is this kind of like... That's what Absolutely. you used to kind of call it, and now it's same thing. Yeah, yeah. I just realized that uh, Berge Fagarelli just has the Maya reps concept, and he explained it really well. And I just, it's great because it's like Googleable, you know. Because if I say breathers, people are like, "What the fuck are you?" Yeah, talking? yeah. And then they want an explanation, which there, you know, uh, they should want an explanation. But now I just say Maya reps, and they're like, "What's that?" And someone else will comment. They're like, "Just fucking Google it," and they Google it, and they're like, "Oh." I gotcha. And they'd be like, well, Berge said you're supposed to rest for this long, but rest long. And then I'll clarify and say the concept is the same. Yeah. The application is a little bit different. And my reps technically um, is rest pause, is a style yeah. of rest pause training. I could say rest pause, but I think my reps are so close to what we're doing. And, and Berge is a good guy. Uh, and I think he's contributed a lot to the industry and it really explained and fleshed out the concept well mm. and popularized it. That I like to use my reps just to give him some fucking street cred, man, because he fucking deserves it. Cool. Yeah, so it's that's something I have used, and it's interesting to hear that you're saying kind of be careful with using it for axial loading movements because I find when I do that for squats and I start almost doing it a bit like powerliftery, where I almost am taking each rep as a single. The systemic fatigue is horrendous, um, and all of those factors you talked about in terms of SFR, the fatigue side's adding up, and the stimulus side is like not so great, and so I kind of had to. And I probably still need to have to kind of uh, kind of get rid of my ego a little bit, low, lower the load for better stimulus to fatigue because, yeah, that, that starts kind of screwing 100%, me over big time. 100%, 100%. And if, final question on this, if someone is not using the myo rep kind of method on, say, a hack squat or something where it is appropriate or leg press, are they simply probably going to have to do more sets to get a similar mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. result? Yeah. Totally. Cool. Um, so like we do my rep, we do three my rep sets on hack squats and we're fucking toast. And then we go on to hacks or go on to regular squats for one or two sets and we're done. Somebody could maybe have to do five sets if they didn't do my reps. Yeah. And then they would feel the same amount of pump, uh, disruption, weakness, et cetera. Cool. Got time for one more question, Mike? Yeah, totally. Okay. So I will ask you uh, from Harry Smith. He has asked, can my muscle connection veto progressive overload? For example, squats progress nicely, adding loads and reps week to week, but not a great deal of my muscle connection, whereas leg press and lunges blow your quads and fuck up, fuck up out of this world. Uh, would you then build program around leg press and lunges? 
Uh, by extension, can one place too much value on my muscle connection? I could build a training block around exercises that massively blows up all my target muscles, but I would probably struggle to consistently apply progressive overload principles in the long term. Fast, efficient fat loss. Does that sound like music to your ears? The mini cut movement might just be for you. Mini cuts are like robbing the fat bank. You want to get in and out with as much fat as possible. In a short period of time, you could easily look to lose six to 12 pounds of fat. The mini cut movement is excellent. There's group support for extra accountability and also expert help within the group. We have educational videos to keep you on track along the way and you get all your nutrition and training customized and individualized for you. So if that sounds of interest, get involved with the mini cut movement. That's the James Hoffman skeptical squint. The ideal scenario is to do both. So similar question, because I'm officially food obsessed, the end of my diet could be, do you like to eat pasta or do you like to have the sauce? I'm like, no, they're best together. One of them is more important than the other. It's the pasta. And that is progressive overload tracked metrics. But pasta without sauce is dry as fuck, so you want a good amount of sauce. And it works to pay attention to details. So the way this analogy unfolds here is this. What you want to do is have exercises that you can progressively overload and track and increase performance on. Critical. And you want to make sure you're doing those exercises in a way that maximizes the mind-muscle connection in the context of progression. And if you ever have to progress... By sacrificing the mind-muscle connection, don't progress. So if you're like, okay, I can hit 16 reps this week. I hit 15 last week. I can do another rep, but it'll be total garbage. It'll just be me like giving birth to a demon child uh, if somebody recorded the audio. And it won't be anything remotely resembling feeling the muscle tension where I'm supposed to. Then fucking don't do it. Then just write 15 in your logbook, do the 15. And then maybe next week you can try a bit more weight or then 16 with good technique, with good mind-muscle connection. So pick movements uh, that typically give you good mind-muscle connection, which is to say tension in the target muscle, a burn in the target muscle. And you could say it a sort of a side effect of that would be pump, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, we don't technically, uh, in the hypertrophy book and stuff, don't count uh, the pump as mind-muscle connection, but it sure leads to the pump. Uh, pick movements that work on that and then apply progressive metric tract overload to them. And always go for mind-muscle connection. And if it's in place, then you can add. You can add load, you can add reps slowly. And if it ever gets out of place, then make sure it's back in place before you start adding stuff again. Uh, We actually, uh, this has been in a YouTube video before, we use a three-tiered system and this is actually in a long-term athlete development timeline for hypertrophy training, the most important element is technique. If your technique goes, it's all dog shit. I don't give a fuck what kind of pump you have, whatever. Technique's number one. First technique. Second of all is relative effort. Okay, Now that your technique is good, are you training hard? And the relative effort is what is tracked by and ensured by the progressive overload element of like, am I adding reps and sets? Or sorry, am I adding reps and, and or load? And then lastly, for advanced athletes, is mind-muscle connection. Am I feeling the shit where I'm supposed to? So technique is the most important thing. Then relative effort is most important after. Then the mind-muscle connection. 
But if you're looking at applying all of them, that means you are advanced enough to know what a mind-muscle connection is and be able to reliably feel it, then you need to apply all three. And uh, here's where exercise selection comes in. This is just on any given exercise. You should pick exercises on which you can nail all three of these as best as possible. If you have an exercise, which you can do with good technique, it doesn't hurt you or feel weird or off, and you can progressively overload it. And by the way, you can progressively overload every exercise. I understand like, people are like, should I do dips because I can progressively overload them or tricep extensions because they are more specific to triceps, but you can't progressively overload them as well. What the fuck are you talking about? You just do one more rep each week and they're like, yeah, but I can't add load every week. I'm like, who the fuck's that adding load was the thing to do? Mm-hmm. Add reps for a while and then recycle and go add load again. They're like, oh, I guess, okay. But I can add more weight to dips. I'm like, yeah, it's because you're relatively stronger. You can also eat more food if you have a spoon two times the size, but it doesn't mean you eat any more food over the course of a meal anyway. So the template is, you know, if you find an exercise, you can do the technique with that you can push relative effort with hard uh, and you can progress, which is all of them. And if you have, if this exercise checks all the boxes for my muscle connection really well, that's a fucking sweet exercise. And if it doesn't check one of those boxes, it's not the best exercise. So to go back to the answering the question, if the squat for this individual is one that checks the technique box and the progression box, it doesn't really check the mind-muscle connection box, is it the best exercise to use? No, not for hypertrophy. For powerlifting, sure. Um, if he's a beginner or an intermediate, then it's a great exercise because mind-muscle connection means fucking dog shit at that point. Um, but if there are other exercises which he can use that meet all the requirements, technique for relative effort slash progression and my muscle connection, then fuck yeah, they're better and use them more. Like, can you imagine someone like telling a pro bodybuilder, he's like, Hey man, I don't feel my chest in this press at all. Like, I don't worry about it. Your chest will come along. Biomechanically, it has to be used. Like, what? what? That's crazy. Right? Like people bench a long time and some of them just get like pretty decent pecs, but really big front delts and triceps. And I trust me, the bench is for pecs. And they're like, well, well how do you know? Like, well, cause you're progressing. Like, but how am I know I'm progressing mm-hmm. from my pecs growing? Like this person could be squatting and progressing like crazy, but progressing from their glutes and spinal erectors mostly. They're like, okay, sweet, but you're not growing your quads. How do you know you're growing your quads? Well, do your quads get pumped and sore after squats? Like, no. Well, then there's probably not a limiting factor. That's probably not, you know, my number one thing. Like, yeah, but I feel like a wuss because leg presses blow up my quads more than squats. Like, word up. I think the judges on a bodybuilding stage give a flying fuck what exercise you did to get quads like that. They're just like, wow, your quads are great. You look like Tom Platt. Are you going to calmly explain to them, look, well, Tom Platt's still a lot of squatting, but for me, hacks like, okay, anyway, that's nice. Here's your first place trophy. Get out of here. Go feed your big quads, waffles or something. So at the end of the day, all of them is the correct answer. And of course, the primacy should be on technique and then progression. And then after that, mind-muscle connection. But if you know what mind-muscle connection is and you can accurately sense it, you should never trade it for progression. And I don't think that's ever a thing. So, so just, just to put this very clearly, when he said, like, I can do leg presses, I think he said leg presses in the yeah. example, right? It, like, what is the, exactly the problem with progressing on leg presses? He said, like, I, I have to, like, sort of forego progression and just go for the pump and shit like that, like... Yeah, it was uh, da, 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 my muscle. Whereas leg press and lunges blow your quads the fuck up out of the world. Mm-hmm. 
would you then build a program around leg press and lunges? It did make it seem like progression on those was felt like it was more so limited. But again, yeah. like you're saying, you why can't lunging, you progress those? Right. You start lunging with 50 kilos. A couple months later, you're lunging with 70 kilos. If the SFR is good, if the mind-muscle connection is good for your quads on lunges, you're going to have fucking massive quads, plain and simple. Like, that's it. So every exercise that you can get a good stimulus on can be progressed. It's a non-issue. Can you add kilos and kilos and kilos to it? No, some exercises just don't do that because the relative addition is just not that likely. Um, but that's where powerlifting and uh, strength building and hypertrophy training do bifurcate. And it's important to note that. And people do chase numbers for no good goddamn reason. They'll say, you know, deadlifts really don't train my hamstrings super well. And they really just tire me out. But I know I have to have a big deadlift to have a big back. And it's like, do you really? Mm-hmm. How much does Brandon Curry deadlift? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think he does deadlift. Oh. How much does Jay Cutler deadlift? I don't know. Did he have a small back? Like, no, his back is legendary. Like, huh? What about Dorian Yates? Like, I don't think he deadlifted. Who deadlifted? Like, Ronnie Coleman. Like, mm. Johnny Jackson. Mm. Who else? Like, I don't know. Some pros do it. Like, wow, that's a hell of a convincing argument. So why are you deadlifting again? And they're like, I don't know. It's just cool to be able to get stronger on something. Like, now you have admitted to yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. Sweet. But again, comes back, coming back to the, the Steve Hall quote of the day, like, you know, the, what is it? Results is like, uh, uh my results are my preference. Yeah. Results. My, my preference is results. <laughs> Something like, like that. Yeah. If you really want bigger hamstrings and you really want a bigger back, you will do whatever is best SFR and then progress on that. If you get fucking, you know, some people say like, I don't get a lot of the hip hinges. And you're like, oh, your technique's probably wrong. Then you fix their technique and they still don't. They're like, yeah, but leg curls blow me up. You're going to be doing a lot of leg curls. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, this dogmatic religious approach to exercise mm-hmm. where it turns into this egotistical bullshit of like what's hardcore and you fucking have to do this. And look, like I've, I've been that person that said shit like that before. And I was wrong. Um, I love pull-ups. I love bent rows. But machines have their place for back training. And if machines are really that much better for you, truly better, and you have given due diligence to the compound free weight movements, and you have done them properly, and they still don't work as well, fuck them. You never do them again. Or revisit them years later. Yeah, I think that's so well said. I think it's like SFR is such a great tool to use to individualize exercise selection for bodybuilding. It's just like, that is what we should be using, not like you must do this, must do that. There's no must. This kind of, yeah, probably a squat pattern, but doesn't need to be a barbell mm-hmm. back squat or you can vary your technique in a way that might make the exercise better. You don't have to do like feet forward kind of close stance because Tom Platts did it or something. So yeah. I think a, a lot of people would do well to move away from that kind of dogmatic point of view. And I love the the system of like, you have to have your technique, my muscle connection in place, especially as someone advanced before you progress a movement. Cause mm-hmm. I've certainly been there many a time where I've pushed a movement like straight deadlifts. I know I've done it where my lower back we is like starting to round and like my loads are going up really high. And I'm just like, this is beating the shit out of me and I'm not getting much stimulus. Right. I need but to I reduce the, the load. Yeah. Yay. I so saw, I'm just like, I, I know I, uh, reduced the load 10%. I reached out to Jared. He was like, try arching your lower back. And now I'm doing more weight with that better technique. It's like, yeah, I'm getting way better stimulus to fatigue for this. Like I need to do this sort of thing. And sometimes you just need someone to be like, dude, just make this small change. Cause ego is a killer for a bodybuilder. I swear. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Jared and I are really good at like second guessing each other. 
um, and Charlie, when he has the opportunity to train with us now that he lives so far away, um, we're just really like, we're pieces of shit and we're, we're best of best friends, but we're assholes. So like if Jared sees me do something on an exercise that he knows I'm squeezing the reps out and I'm not feeling anymore, he's like, and I'm like, ah, yeah, take off 25 pounds. <laughs> and then I recycle the progression. Uh, we don't do it often because, you know, yeah. we're really good about our shit, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's good to have training partners around that aren't just yes men that won't just be like, come on, fuck, do more. Like, and people think that's as high level as it gets as far as training motivation and coaching. And I mean, training partners, like people like my training partners push me to, to, to go all out. There's a place for that. Totally. But there's at least as much of a place for them. Like me, I'm like, what the fuck was that dude? Like, I don't know. It was dumb. Like, yeah, like, reduce the weight. Um, the ego can be brought into the gym. And it should mostly be pointed at technical perfection and relative effort. If you can technically be perfect and fucking grind and progress, 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 and not give up, you're going to be the fucking shit. And that's a good place to put your ego. And maybe put a little of your ego into uh, mind muscle connection. Be proud of like, wow, that said nuked my fucking lats. I'm so happy. I got a great connection there. Um, and then that takes care of everything because that takes care of the load. Uh, if you're really keen on progression in light of good technique, the load will just go up over time. But if you're keen on just the load, regardless, and everything be damned, uh, man, you know, you're going to go, you're almost by definition going to go astray. Uh, and we have lectures coming up on uh, YouTube eventually. We have scoped out for years on YouTube. But there's going to be lectures that basically say, like, the way you lift a weight, if your goal is pure strength, it's fundamentally categorically different than if it's hypertrophy. You are leveraging yourself hypertrophy against the weight mm. poorly so that you can expose the muscle to the stimulus. For strength, you're leveraging into the weight uh, with the weight as best as possible. And that means the shortest possible range of motion using as many muscles that are not the target muscle. There is no target muscle. Are you fucking kidding me? You imagine doing a powerlifting squat and be like, it was all quads. Be like, oh, you fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if your goal is to squat as much as possible, purely, but really your goal is hypertrophy, and you're like, yeah, if I squat as much as I can, I'll get big. Well, all of a sudden you're, you're cutting your depth, which you should be, um, to powerlifting standards, which is not as great for hypertrophy. You're using a shitload of glutes. You're widening your stance. You're leaning your back over. Amazing. Great. You will lift more weight. And that's awesome. It's the right answer for lifting more weight. But it's no longer the right answer for getting as good of a stimulus as possible. And even if this raw stimulus magnitude is good, the stimulus to fatigue ratio is just fucking god awful. That's one of these questions I'm sure you get asked all the time. Is like, what do you think about low bar squatting for hypertrophy? I'm like, who the fuck does that? <laughs> you know, and if you think that's great, either you're built interestingly and low bar is just great for you, which is unlikely. Or you just haven't really given due diligence to proper high bar Olympic weightlifting style squatting. And if you have, you're like, oh, this is how I'm squatting forever. So there is a difference there. And pursuing strength for its own means can be distracting. It really can. But, but again, because it's all in context and everything matters, there is the, all, the other side of this coin, which mostly the bros operate in. And sometimes the sort of neurotic overthinkers of load doesn't matter. The load on bar doesn't matter. The reps don't matter. All that matters is the feel and the mind-muscle connection. Like, mm, okay, but how do you know you're not fucking shitting yourself? How do you know you're not lying to yourself? Beat the logbook for sure, but beat the logbook with excellent technique and with a great mind-muscle connection. And if any time you're beating the logbook at the expense of those, go back one or two steps, 
try to beat it again with those. You keep doing that and you'll get as big as you were supposed to get. Hey, Pascal here. I just quickly wanted to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we put a huge emphasis on the personal aspect of our coaching. And if you want to take your physique and knowledge to the next level, hit the link in the description below. Yeah, I think that's really important because I think some people, and I've been there where I've been like overly anal about technique and I keep recycling weights. It's like, where have I moved in the last two months? Not very far. So now I'm like, do the reset, get things in place, then move forward because that moving forward is important because ultimately you do need to go down that route. And I, I can see how people could get lost in, oh, I just need to seek out, oh, I think I can get a bit more out of this weight or something for like, I don't know, yeah. a year or something. Yeah. Um, I think uh, a really, and we just actually did have a, sorry to sound like a dog shit advertisement for <laughs> YouTube, but um, we did have a very, very recent video about the quality before quantity, two videos oh, yeah. actually. Uh, maybe you've seen it. And it's one of those things where if you really do believe that quality comes first, like each set should be great, which means each set should be technically really good. RIR should be good. And my muscle connection should be good. If you, every time you get under the weight and Jared and I will literally tell each other physically, like speaking in words, like in the middle of a set and before a set start, we'll say quality, quality. That's a fucking lame cue. Cause like, what the fuck you're supposed to say? Warrior shit, like blood and death quality. Because like, you know, when you're like getting into like a lever squat or hack squat or some kind of fucking back machine or even a bent row, like there's all kinds of things going through your head. You're like, I gotta get 11. I gotta get 11. Cause that's what I got last week. And this is two and a half pounds more or whatever. Really what you should be thinking is quality technique, RIR, and my muscle connection. And if I get those, I already know the reps I have to get with quality. And here's the kicker. If you prioritize quality every single time, you don't have to do a whole lot of resetting. You may not have to reset for years because every workout is a bit of a reset. So like instead of adding two reps every workout and then having to reset once a month, you only add one rep on average every workout because every set you go in, you're like, is a reset. Every set is quality, quality first. And then, okay, only you add one rep every single time or add five pounds every single time you hit the gym. But every single time is fucking great. And your week five, your last week before deloading, the quality of each set is just as high as it was in week one. You ain't resetting shit. You go back into week one, the next mezzo, and you're fucking golden because you never gave it up. So. What we're not saying is start out with these great sets and then let them degrade by chasing the weight and then recycle. Ideally, you don't ever have to recycle. And sometimes you do, and that's an honest thing. But you can do a mini recycle every set, every rep. You ever have a rep that goes shitty and you're like, like you lock out the dumbbells and you're like, that was garbage. And you're like, reset and you go super extra deep and then really lock it out. And you're like, oof, okay, great. That was great. And then you did nine instead of 10, but that was a fucking quality set because you got your shit together. You just did a reset. You won't have to come back weeks later and be like, well, I don't know if any of that shit counted for the last month because every time you're on your shit. I had two thoughts spring to mind on that is it probably is not that I think deloads are a bad time to focus on technique, but I know a lot of people will use deloads as their time to focus on technique. And what you're saying there is... Mm -hmm every single set rep is the time yeah. to focus on technique. There's That's never a time. That's what really matters. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. never a time not to focus on it. And then I know other people will talk about 
progressing and inc- increasing quality after they've progressed. Like they're touching new weight and then they're like, I know my technique wasn't great with that. So I'm just going to yeah. work into the weight. Oh my God, dude, that shit drives me crazy. What are you doing? What's the point? Lots of Fuck. fatigue, not so much stimulus. It just, it completely counter to what you just described basically. Yeah. Uh, here's another, this is exactly that note. And this is something we apply to beginners because we think that advanced people aren't retarded enough to not do this, but sometimes they are. Um, and it's a reminder for all of us because we're all guilty of this every now and again. Uh, our progression model for beginners of when do you add load is, is the technique as good as last time or better? If the answer is yes, you add load. Add a little bit, it's fine. If the technique degrades at any one point, you do not add load until you fix the degradation or make it better, period. So to me, the idea of like, yeah, doing the 200 pound dumbbells for the first time, it wasn't that pretty, but it's a start. Like, no, 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 the 180s are a start and the end. And then maybe eventually you can get to the 190s with a really, really good technique on one arm rows or whatever. And then every single session you did from the 180s to the 190s is high quality muscle growth shit versus you use the 180s and then you were like, fuck it, 200s. And you had five dog shit sessions in a row with the 200s where you're flailing around like a fucking dying animal. And then you can finally say after a sixth session that you really handled the 200s with high quality. And then like, can you imagine if you're sharing videos on Instagram of you doing the 200s for the first five weeks and people are like, what the, f- what the fuck are you doing? I thought you said you, you like technique and stuff like that. Um, I'm actually really uh, been chatting every now and again with Matt Jansen. So we're top prep coach yeah. and um, we definitely uh, have our different opinions on things with, with all very, very much due respect. But one thing I like about what Matt does is he gets to work with a lot of really top guys and their technique before they come to him, if he's in charge of their training is like all kinds of shit. And maybe him and I are seeing eye to eye on technique exactly, but his technique that he preaches is pretty good, like much fuller range of motion, but it's standardized. And all of a sudden he's got these guys like taking hundreds of pounds off of the weights they are lifting and doing a full range of motion and every rep looks the same. And it's fucking humbling, but they are really having high quality workout. Every workout is quality. And you look at this guy who's this fucking animal who weighs like 300 pounds. You're like, what, he, he's doing machine rows with 300. He used to do the same machine do with 500. And he's probably thinking, what the fuck? Like I got my back doing 500 pounds. This cocksucker coach, Matt Jansen, has me doing 300. But here's Matt Jansen's uh, sort of like key, his trick play. He's coached Olympians. Go ahead, doubt him. What the fuck are you paying him money? You're paying him fucking thousands of dollars for what? So you can tell him, no, 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 I'm good for 500. Like, no, you're not. Shut the fuck up. Do 300, right? And then all of a sudden, the first workout, you just feel like a bitch. The second workout, you start to feel the connection. The third workout, you're like, oh. And the fourth workout, you're out there preaching and telling people they're idiots for lifting too much weight. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of neat to see this in real life happening. And I think with coaches like Matt Jansen and there are a few others, uh, John Jewett is an excellent example of this kind of thing. Uh, High-level pro, top, mm. top six in the world at 212 or something. Jared Feather, of course, but we already know that. Um, they're this new wave of people who think much more about exercises and are much more attentive to quality. And 
My prediction, humbly, we'll see if this ages well, is in about five to 10 years, roughly, timeline, you're going to see a transformation where more and more and more pros start to lift with really much better technique. And then not writing YouTube comments of like, if it works for the pros, it works for me, all this fucking gay science shit, full rum, evidence-based pussies, it's going to look fucking awful. Because remember, in the 1960s, they used to think in the National Football League in the United States that weightlifting slows you down and makes you unathletic. The offensive lineman didn't lift weights. The average offensive lineman weight was roughly 225 to 250 pounds. 225 in many cases. 225. That's a fucking fucking wide receiver nowadays. The modern offensive lineman in the NFL weighs like 315, 330, right? That's 150 kilo cunt that is two meters tall. That's fucking, he could play every position in the 1960s. I like, what do you do? Like I'm the quarterback. Why can you throw the ball? Like, nope, I need the ball first as I just get it and chop everyone down, hurt everyone on the team and touchdown. That's it. Everyone wins. Like, why was it lift weights? And they're like, Oh, what? Doesn't that make you slow? Like, no, you fucking idiot. They're like, yeah, but everyone in the NFL says, well, they're all wrong. You know, before Copernicus discovered planetary motion, everyone was fucking wrong. And these are all really smart people, religious scholarship. They were all wrong. So it's cool to see in bodybuilding, these slow transformations uh, to where now the top guys are going to be doing more and more shit correctly. You know, back in the day, like, um, Back in Arnold's day, a lot of bodybuilders prepped and they would eat like steak and eggs and high fat diets and low carbs. And that's how a lot of guys did it. And they get work for the, like, there's still guys right now, still nut riding, still trying to get that big pro dick in their mouth. And they're like, in, in YouTube and Instagram comments, they're like, well, it fucking worked for Frank Zane. I'm like, yeah, Frank Zane also weighed like 170 pounds, motherfucker. Like Frank Zane would be a decent men's physique competitor today. Right? This guy's make Frank Zane look like, you know, like for the love of fucking God, you're out of date. Just say it. I'm out of date. Stop not writing. People update their views. And it's cool to be one of the first people to update because you have an open mind instead of one of the last because you just do what the best guys do. So you're the last guy to get the memo. And it's literally, it's so funny because a lot of the guys, this is just like high irony. A lot of the same guys that will be like, fuck it works for the pros. I'm doing it. will also have in their profile or various other commentary be like, be a leader, not a follower. Like, Mm. Mm. what are you exactly it should drive me nuts i think unfortunately the same people are also quite often taking every little new supplement that's coming out and like every gadget whatever's going because they want the edge it's kind of like well so you're kind of pro modern and like new things but also completely anti and you're like don't reinvent the wheel (laughs) hold me back i don't know um it's just nut riding yeah unfortunately yeah Awesome. Mike, I'm going to call our Q&A there, if that's all right. I know uh, you're probably still going to be awake for hours longer. I don't even know what time it is. I'm delirious. (laughs) Um, Hopefully, this has somewhat helped put you to sleep, or at least it's past some hours where you're not thinking as much about food, although there was quite a few food analogies. Um, In terms of anything going forward for you, I know we've spoken about the book. Are there any other kind of prospects uh, that you want to kind of let the audience know about? Spoke about your YouTube channel content out every like you're pumping stuff out every week which is great um it's actually like that's it for now awesome to see so the fact Thank that that's so all much, coming yeah. out free is like it's a gift to everyone people <laughs> keep saying free uh, there's a lot of comments on our youtube like i can't believe this is free is there someone that like, charging for this kind of stuff? i guess rp plus was charging like ten dollars a month for this kind of stuff um yeah i guess you could charge. 
I guess I can. We could. Um, you know what? It's not free because YouTube ads pay us, <laughs> so they cover our expenses. <laughs> uh, so keep keep clicking on those ads. Goddamn, buy the Gillette razors or the V shreds or what? It's so funny too because half the ads because it's all targeted fitness shit, right? Half the ads in the RP videos are like dog shit, yeah. like wraps and V shred ads, and it's just like. Someone's like, this is like super ironic. And I want to comment and be like, you know, we don't pick the ads, right? Like Google Analytics picks the ads. It's not up to us. And if you asshole stop clicking on them, we would stop getting them. So <laughs> somebody on the YouTube videos is like, oh, V-Shreds, I'll buy that. And then they just keep popping up. I just know. I, yeah. Uh, I accidentally click them sometimes and I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> At least I got that person money. <laughs> sorry, algorithm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So nothing, nothing new to announce. Just... Uh, doing uh continuing to produce tons of youtube yep. stuff books and uh, all that stuff is coming so. fantastic and obviously where it will be out there people will be following to see when the book's being launched and obviously following along to see if you do manage to get those shows under your belt which i'm very excited for i'm just excited to see the photos <laughs> and obviously catch up with you after it's all happened hopefully and we can talk about it so uh, yeah thank you guys for listening thank you mike as always for this chat and we'll catch you soon take care peace So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Floor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people. Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is going to be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there. You can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also going to be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're gonna be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.